When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into the latest Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you are watching or listening live or archived, we are so glad you could join us today as we record on Wednesday, November 6th, and we break down the Virginia Tech win over Clemson and men's basketball on Tuesday night as the hoop season is underway. And we preview the Wake Forest Virginia Tech football game on Saturday. Of course, that game will be an opportunity for Virginia Tech fans to honor Bud Foster. And so throughout the podcast, we'll be talking about great Bud Foster moments. So a lot to get to today. Our crew today is the same as always. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing on the podcast set. Our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart. And I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Again, glad everybody could join us today. We are recording on Wednesday morning, November the 6th. A lot to get to today on the Tech Sideline podcast, which is presented by the Fisher Law Firm each and every week. The Fisher Law Firm is Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the, fir the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031 or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Gentlemen, good morning. Uh, you know, we did the podcast on Monday and we talked about towards the end. Oh, we were talking so much about the Notre Dame Tech game. Hoop season does open on Tuesday, and we quickly talked about the Clemson Tech game. You know, we did a podcast preview of the men's basketball season a few weeks back, and wow, what a way to start off the Mike Young era at Virginia Tech. 67-60 win uh, for the Hokies over the Tigers. Will, I know you watched the whole thing, uh, diving right into it. What a way to uh, kick off the Mike Young era at Virginia Tech. Yeah, that, that was something. Uh, so the first two thoughts that come to mind for me are we had heard that Landers Nolly was Tech's best player. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, <laughs> wow, that, he, he looked really tight early. He looked jacked. He, uh, he missed he his first two shots and his first two free throws. Clanked a couple right? of free throws, yeah. you know, and, and, of course, that, that started people on the boards and Twitter going, oh, I'm not impressed. And uh, then, he, then he settled in, and at one point I think he was – 11 of 14 or 11 of 15 after missing his first two. I mean, yeah, he just got in a groove. And uh, so the other thing was, you know, Tech got down, uh, gosh, what was it? It was 11 to, you know, uh, I think P.J. Horn was the first one to score. P.J. Horn hits a three-pointer. Tech's up three to nothing. Clemson scores something like 13 well, it, of the next it, 15 It was three points. to three. They scored a three first. Did they score a three, three first? And then okay. they went on an eight to nothing run, run, and it was 11 to three. Yeah, so at, at that point it just looked ugly. And then Nolly started hitting some shots, and some good things started happening. And uh, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a pretty game, particularly in the second half. Uh, both both teams, I think, made some adjustments, and uh, Clemson missed a lot of shots, you know. And yeah. 
but hey, I'll, I'll take the win any way you can get it. It's just it's just really cool because not only was it uh, Mike Young's first game at Tech, but it was his 300th career win. You know, so it's just really cool to start things off with a bang like that. Real quick, you know, when I I got home last night and I rewatched the game a little bit, you know, one of the first thoughts for some reason that came to mind. I was like, I can't wait to ask Chris how Champs was last night. So No, it was on ESPNU, so I was able to. Oh, okay. So I, I, I was yeah. excited to hear how Champs was. No, but I'm sure it was not very exciting on a Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they tend to not have much of a crowd. And, you know, it's. I mean, I wouldn't have gone to Champs. I would have walked across the street to, like, Cinnabon so I could walk on. So, so we so we do need the – at some point we need the Champs barometer, though, because, you know, Tech's been to three straight NCAA tournaments is – is that increasing fan interest at yeah. all? You know, yeah. we can't answer that right now. But. So, I mean, Chris, you know, again, we just broke this down two weeks ago, the, the preview for the team. We talked about the, the youth on the team. Coach Young has talked about that. Uh, did you foresee a 67-60 win on the road last night? I, I, actually, the, a win didn't surprise me. Not necessarily because I thought highly of Tech, as I thought Clemson was going to be pretty bad this year. With some uh, Starting two freshmen in the backcourt, plus like four of their top probably six or seven players are all transfers. And it's just a bunch of guys who have never played together before. So, to me, the teams were the exact same. Kind of a similar situation to Tech. Clemson a little bit older because they took transfers rather than reclassifying freshmen. But I I also think Tech had more overall talent than than Clemson does. So, I really wasn't all that surprised to see Tech win the game. And it doesn't really change my view of either team. Uh, I think I knew Landers Nolly was going to be good. I don't think you talk about somebody as much as Mike Young has talked about him. I mean, Mike Young does not strike me as the type that is prone to hyperbole, right? Yeah. So, figured Landers' knowledge was good. I didn't realize he was going to be 30 points good. Um, it was uh, interesting the way the game unfolded. Uh, really what impressed me the most, really, was Tech's defensive rebounding. Yeah. You know, they start a 6'6", you know, let's call it what is, a 6'4.5 center. And a guy who would be undersized even as like a small forward. P.J. Horn. P.J. Horn we're talking yeah. about. And they were still able to really dominate the defensive glass. Out, they had nine offensive rebounds to Clemson's eight, which is really impressive considering the number of shots that Clemson missed. Clemson missed uh, a ton of I, shots. I bet if you, know, if you look at their defensive or their offensive rebound percentage after game one, I, I bet it's one of the worst in, in the whole country. Um, yeah, their, their second half was positively – NC State like I, I think at one point in the first half toward, particularly towards the end of the first half I don't remember my halftime stats but I think both teams were shooting about 45% at one point late in the first half and it, it went downhill from there yeah yeah throughout. it was a I, it, I went into halftime thinking man that was a clean game in the first half that was an entertaining basketball game and, and the second, second half, half was not, not so much well, Clemson only had 23 points only, in the entire second half I think half. they were one of 14 from three-point range oh whatever 7.1 one of 14 from I, three and the uh in the second no the whole game you're right I thought about second about, half before, second half okay. before I posted the recap I I finally just posted it without the video highlights because I, I don't know why the ACC it was almost midnight and I'm yeah like, it was oh, about God. midnight when yeah. they put them up yeah I was like I'm ready to go to bed but by, by the way I've added uh, I added two videos to our game recap they they the ACC digital network put together a highlight package of Landers Nolly almost every shot he made it's about yeah. two minutes eleven seconds long and then they also put they did put together uh, game highlights so those are both in yeah. our uh, uh, game recap now go, go check that out techsideline.com great recap uh, great video uh, let's talk about Landers Nolly a little bit specifically I mean, he scored 30 points but want to discuss what he did well yesterday uh, I do I want to share a tweet from uh, Jimmy Robertson he put this out there uh, last night that 
to, to put his performance into perspective, uh, Ace Custis, 16 points in his college debut. Del Curry, 10. Bimbo Coles had 7. He put that out there. And then the other one was about uh, his uh, the uh, 30 points by Nolly in his college debut were the most by a Tech freshman in any game since. Jalen Hudson had 32 against Wake Forest in the first round of the 2015 ACC tournament. So it's our freshman debut record and uh, one of the best by a freshman in, in, in years. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I also saw that Nikhil Alexander-Walker had 24. He had 24 in his, in his debut. Yeah, against, but that, that was at home against Detroit Mercer, and he was surrounded by Justin Robinson and Chris Clark. I, Isaiah Wilkins had – and I, so it's funny. So here's the tweet I almost answered. Isaiah Wilkins, I think, had 21 against Gardner-Webb at home. And, and I wanted to kind of quote tweet it and say, talking about Landers Nolly versus Clemson on the road and Isaiah Wilkins versus Gardner Webb at home, one of these things is not like the yeah, other. Exactly. You know, it's no, no doubt, not only is it just numerically a record, but the, the circumstances. Sure. Really, really remarkable. And again, this is different from previous years. Tech opening up with an ACC team. Of course, ACC teams playing 20 conference games this year. But Chris, I mean, speaking specifically about Nally, for those that did not get to watch the game, what did he do well in the game? How did he get to 30 points? You know, a lot of guys, especially when they're young players or just shooters or they're just drivers or whatever, he was able to flash a mid-range game combined with a three-point game. And I, I didn't realize he would be able to do both of those. I knew he could fill it up from the outside. Yeah. I did not know he had that mid, mid-range game. And, you know, he didn't necessarily show it as much last night, but he's tall enough. He's six seven. He can score around the basket as well. So he looks like he has the ability to be one of those complete offensive players. Now, it's just one game. Uh, and I'll, I'll – and- I'll, teams are going to start keying on him. Yeah, absolutely. Because somebody else is going to have to start scoring. Because, yeah. I mean, if he had had an off night last night, which he will have at some point, just because yeah. that's how basketball works, then that that's a blowout city in the other direction, right? And uh, I, I, well, let, me, let me dig back into my – dig deep into my bag of memories here. I remember, I guess it was the 2000-2001 season. I was a senior in high school, and I came – to the first basketball game of the season, and it was the fairly highly anticipated debut of Bryant Matthews, Carlos Dixon, and Chris Exilis. They're all. It was a pretty. Exilis was a highly rated for, player. Yeah, it was a you know a pretty highly touted class for Virginia Tech. Bryant Matthews turned down a, a football scholarship to Florida State. He was a really good two sport athlete. So that game, Matthews scored ten, and I'm thinking, man, he can be a decent player for us. I think Dixon scored 17, and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, looks like a pretty good player. Exilus scored like 20, 20 or 21. I'm like, man, this guy's the truth. Yeah. By the end of the year, he was barely playing, transferring to Paul, where he was to DePaul, where he was a career backup. Yeah. Dixon had a good career. Matthews, a- after starting with his second half of his junior year, had a great career. He was a first, his, his senior year was his incredible. His first-team All-Big East player, he, he was a great player. And, and I really think he should have gotten Big East player of the year Yo, as he, a senior. Yes, but, considering but the, what he was surrounded by. Oh, they went with some dude Fresh. from UConn, I right. think. Yeah, of course they did, yeah. yeah. Um, but well, all I'm saying here is one game does not make a career because um, I thought Chris Exilis was going to be awesome <laughs> the first time I saw him play because he scored 21 points. Uh so pump the brakes a little bit, but yes, I agree. The physical ability is there, and he's but he's going to have his up ups and downs. Even Nikhil, you know, remember he started off his career with twenty four points. 
Well, later that year when Tech played at Kentucky, you know how many points he scored in that game? It's like three or four? No, it was like zero. No. Oh, literally zero points. So no. he's going to have his ups and downs. And when he has his downs, this team is going to have some, some downs because there's – I think Aline's a natural scorer. Yeah, he had but 11. But he's a 17-year-old freshman. Yeah. Right? And that, and that's probably your secondary scoring option right now. I, I like his confidence. He came oh, yeah, in yeah. two threes right away. I, I agree. Uh, I think he's – he reminds me of some kind of uh, – Left-handed mix between Xavier and Dowdell and Justin Bibbs. All right, yeah. I'll file that one away. Right. So, so one one more thought on on Nale. Uh, you know, I agree with everything Chris said, and one of the things that surprised me, there were a couple instances where his his catch and shoot from behind the three point line was quick, very quick release. Absolutely. I mean, not Del Curry quick. Nobody does it like Del Curry did it in his prime, but it was surprisingly fast and nothing but net. It's not like he rattled it in; it was smooth. Uh, real quick, uh, before we move off Landers down, I want Will to kind of have the uh, last word on Nolly. You know, we came into the office this morning, and Will's chuckling about something over at his computer. <laughs> I'm like, Will, what are you laughing at? Kind of hoping it was what I had seen last night on Twitter. Will, uh, what was the Clemson men's basketball Twitter page looking like last night? How about All you right. enlighten our, our fans that did not so, see So, it? Tech fans, go to Clemson Basketball's Twitter feed, which is Clemson MBB. And look for the tweet they put out last night. There are no graphics accompanying it. It, it is just a tweet saying Virginia Tech wins 67-60. Then it lists a couple of Clemson players and how many points they scored. And uh, Tech fans piled in. And at the time we started recording this podcast, there were 211 responses, all just pictures of Landers Nolly, his headshot from his, his profile on Hokiesports.com. So it's it's – over 200 responses of Landers Nolly's face over and over and over. And keep scrolling down because there's a couple funny ones buried in there. One of them is a uh, 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 <coughs> Sesame Street video about oh. the letter L. <laughs> and then, then there's other variations like Landers Nolly's face on a train. And you've, you've been the Nolly trolley. trolley. Right. So great stuff. Clemson MBB on Twitter. And when we when we went in to record the podcast, it was it was about four tweets deep. Great stuff. Yeah, there you go. Uh, go check that out, Clemson MVP on Twitter. And I tell you what, um, we'll, I'll get to how Twitter was reacting in the message boards in a minute. Quickly, do want to highlight uh, Naheem Aline. You alluded to eleven points. Uh, I mean, you look at the scoring breakdown. Landers had thirty. 37 minutes, by the way. Yeah. Uh, played basically yeah. the whole game. He's gonna have to play basically. The whole uh, game. But you know, I you know one thing I, I do want to kind of bring up. I was thinking about this. Last night, I was really thinking about the the Buzz Williams leftover players, and I don't want to say it like that because they're right. going to be a core. But the guys who were, I'm, I should let me rephrase, that were on the team last year with Buzz Williams, uh, the guys like PJ Horn and Wabisa Beatty, Wilkins, Radford who played. Um, just I, I was thinking about what they've been through since you know they're playing in the Sweet 16. A lot of them were, were key role players. They were a tipping away from going to overtime with Duke in the Sweet 16. Right. To having their coach leave in a week, to uh, Coach Young hired, to some of them in the transfer portal, to Kerry Blackshear leaving, uh, just a, a ton of turnover. Mm-hmm. And for them to win that game, and for someone like Horn to, to have that and one dunk at the end, to Beatty, I mean, you know, seven points, six assists, eight rebounds. I just felt really – I'm sure as, as you guys looking at this, you have to feel good for those guys to have that kind of moment after I'm sure what was a uneasy offseason at times. Yeah. You know, Boss Williams is the type of coach that 
his players commit for Buzz Williams and not necessarily the school they go to. Uh, and, and you see it like even in the summer at Tech, he would have these summer softball games on the Tech softball fields with his former players. Like Jimmy Butler came to Virginia Tech no last summer. Hmm. Or the summer Jay Crowder, I think, was there too. Last. Yeah, yeah, to play in a softball game of Buzz's former players. Like they're that loyal to Buzz. So you, you come to somewhere for a specific reason, and then that reason departs. And, and that's, that's difficult. Um, very difficult, actually. It's not necessarily the same thing in football because there's 85 guys on the team. How close are you going to be to your head coach anyway? But in basketball, you're dealing with that guy on a very personal basis every single day. Yeah, I mean, head basketball coaches are very active during practice. Yeah. You know, we sat and watched that part of that, that, that first practice on media day. They're the head coach at practice, They're not walking just around. Mike Young was out there saying, you over here, you, you screen him on this side. You know, he's, he's – He's uh, there. They're right. heavily embedded with the players, Just, right? As, whereas, like Justin Fuente is not going to say one thing to a defensive tackle an entire practice, right? Yeah, and, and he, he might watch the film of practice afterwards and then talk to him about certain things. But he's you know, not going to walk around the offense telling every individual player where to line up and what. Twenty-two to do. guys on the field, and he's going to coach every single one of them. Right? But, that's yeah, not so how football so that's works. That's an interesting point. I never thought about that. Head basketball coaches are different. They're very heavily involved. They're, they're with their heavily players. involved with everybody on their team. So yeah, from that standpoint, it is difficult. And and we saw Beatty put his name in the transfer portal, and we saw Nolly put his name in the transfer portal, and ultimately those guys <laughs> decided to stay because, you know, you know Beatty. You know, he had. I was mad when he had that turnover that almost get you know gave Clemson the lead back. Yeah. But he certainly made up for it down the stretch, didn't he? Yeah. I, you he, know, he I, I meant to bring throws, that up. Blocked a shot. How about uh, that block shot? Oh. I'm sorry. So they, they come out of timeout. It's sixty to fifty-seven, and Beatty. I mean, is it fair to say it's maybe one of the plays of his career? I mean, that was oh, no unreal. No um, I, I don't. I don't know how many games Tech will win this year, but that will be one of the plays of the season, whether they win 10 or whether they win 20 or whatever. I mean, yeah. And, and so let's point out that, you know, Nolly was pretty quiet down the stretch. You know, he, he got to 30 points and, and I haven't gone back and looked yeah. at the box score. No, he that, didn't score for the last few minutes of the game. That's accurate. And Beatty was the guy making plays, making, you know, him and Aline making free throws. Yeah. yeah. So by the way, tech started out one of six from the free throw line made 12 in a row. I think it was 13, 13, 13. and then missed their last one. I think they yep. went up 14 to 16. So they made 13 out of their last, 14 free throws 13 in a row in the final and starting at the 909 mark and i don't think they missed one until 13 seconds left in the game when yeah. it was already decided yeah, yeah and a couple of things too you know it's a tie game clemson's full court pressing it looks like there's going to be a turnover and then somehow it just gets pushed out to pj horn it who beady. uh it was beating it came right. up with a loose ball and Pushed it out. Now, and, some uh, of that was luck, the way the ball was correct. was rattling around. But, hey, we'll take it. Horn, we'll take the it. and one dunk, which was a great – and then, hey, listen, P.J. Horn, we talked about how, you know, he's undersized playing the center position. Listen, eight points, seven rebounds, two assists. It was one for one at the free throw line in 36 minutes. He's not going to be a low post score. Like, uh, I know he had the breakaway dunk. He had a three-pointer. He had one free throw. I don't remember his uh, – I think – how many points is that? I'm sorry. What were you saying? I'm well, remember, was it uh, was it he that was it him that Wilkins fed with that beautiful pass? Yeah. You remember the one I'm talking about in the first half? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So if uh, you're looking for two other points, yeah, that's probably yeah, where I, it I came guess, from. I guess that's it. Yeah. Um, but he's not going to be a guy who's going to score in the paint very much. Um, but it's important that he rebound, and he def- he did a good job defensive rebounding against bigger guys. And there's another thing you got to give Beatty credit for that that dude is a beast rebounding as yeah. a point guard. 
eight rebounds. Eight rebounds. Wow. I mean, Tech Tech uh, out rebounded Clemson forty four to thirty six. I think, and you know, Clemson's not the biggest team in the world, but they're bigger than Virginia Tech, and it's going to be very important this year for Beatty to rebound better than the other team's point guard because we 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 need to. There are certain individual battles that we're probably not going to win. But that's one that we have to win if we want to break even in the rebound. I actually battle. read it wrong. I apologize. Horn had seven rebounds. The leading rebounder on the team for Tech was Beatty with eight. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, and that, that kind of segues into, you know, I watched him last night. And he still, <clears throat> I think he has the ability, but he doesn't have the confidence to to break down a defense and go all the way to the rack. And that that's one thing that unless he starts doing it, you're, you're going to miss that this year. I mean, Justin Robinson, people used to complain about Robinson going in and throwing up wild shots. But, you know, it, you, you got to take the good with the bad. Um, and, and I thought Justin did a very good job of being aggressive going to the basket. And that's something Beattie has lacked in his career so far. I think it's just a confidence issue. I think his handle's good enough. I think his athleticism's good enough. Time and again, you see him with some sort of path to the basket, and it was sort of – probe it but not really be aggressive with it um, yeah and he's he's gonna have to get to the line some this year because you know let's assume landers nolly doesn't score 30 points every game this year <laughs> uh, if, he, if he does bye bye nolly at the end of the season right. right um let's assume that doesn't happen so points are gonna have to come from somewhere and you know the Texas second leading scorer last night did score 11 points but he was two of nine from the field mm. So where are those points going to come from? So I think it's important to get some up at the free throw line. Well, what Wilkins had an had an off. You he know, did have an off. We, night. we love some Isaiah yeah. Wilkins. I love that. But guy, I'll say this about about Chico and Chris. For those that have not heard it, because you haven't said it all year, what's the uh, description of Isaiah Wilkins? I do have to bring this up. <laughs> I saw him at Kroger this summer, and I was like, "Who's that defensive end? I don't yeah. recognize him." <laughs> oh, when he when and. That, and that dude, well, what was I'm sorry, and he's going to be the guy at YMCA. I was oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, exactly. He's going to be the guy at YMCA that nobody thinks can play when he and when he's like 40 or 50 years old. Oh, I, he's I, just going to go in there and kill, crush everybody. <laughs> I played pickup ball with a guy like that when I went. So the, after our graduation from Tech, I lived in Charlottesville for the next seven years, and and we used to uh, play pickup ball once a week at a, at a local elementary school, Woodbrook Elementary, which – um, the interesting hook about Woodbrook Elementary is that Mike Harris or the Richmond Times Dispatch now lives in that neighborhood, so he knows what I'm talking about. Um, but we used to play pickup ball, and I don't remember this guy's name. Interestingly enough, he actually bought a car off of me later, but he was just that guy, little heavy, just great hands, could sneaky guy that could find that open spot, could make that pass, just just the guy you wanted on your team. But if you were just lining up on the playground, you wouldn't pick him. I don't know who it was for Clemson that took that charge from Wilkins, but that is a brave soul. <laughs> Chico had 16 – I was 16 – six boards last night. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he might not have been scoring, but he had six rebounds. Well, everybody had a good good night on the boards last night. Hunter Couture did not obviously have a good offensive night, but he had four rebounds, 23 minutes from the two-guard position. So, yeah, I thought everybody did a good job rebounding their position last night, and that shows up in the team box score. So we'll see where it goes from here. Last thing I do want to kind of recap. I saw this tweet. I thought it would be kind of cool to bring up because a lot of people were really excited for the Coach Young era. Of course, this is someone who's coming home, has ties to um, the, the New River Valley, um, you know, as he says, grew up in Castle Coliseum. I want to read a tweet from Is Aaron. this a McFarling tweet? Aaron yeah, McFarling. Yeah. I'm going to read this tweet. Um, and he goes, quote, Clemson employee in the elevator was tickled because Hokies coach Mike Young told her she did a great job tonight. Not sure what her job was exactly. Something around the benches. 
personality-wise, VT has found it's Frank Beamer in sneakers, close quote, from his tweet. <laughs> so just kind of want to get, get your thoughts on what Coach Young, since he's gotten here, what he's um, done to the fan base that's already, you know, hungry for basketball after three consecutive NCAA tournaments, but how you think he has connected with fans. And it does feel like there's a different kind of energy around this program separate yeah. from the last three years. Well, it's different. Um, certainly there was a lot of energy. There's not any more or less energy now. It's just different. Um, you know, Buzz would show up at Hokie Club events and make it very clear that he didn't want to be there. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just so obvious that he He had was a contentious relationship with local media and made no bones about it. And made no bones about it. I even sat there personally and watched him tell the students one time that he didn't care if they came to games or not, but if they're going to come to the Duke game, they better come to the first game too or something yeah, like that. Something like yeah, that. Uh, so – he didn't care what people thought of him because he knew he wasn't going to be here very long, right? Yeah, he, he was he was all about building that bubble around himself and his players, players and us and against the world. Right, and, and his players love him for it. Yeah, and he's the, it works. He's the best guy in the world to work for or play for. Um, but if you have any other – if there's any other relationship, whether you're a fan, whether you're local media, you're like, man, that guy better win because he's, he's dislikable from the perspective of – he doesn't get along with anybody except for the people that work for him directly. Yeah. Um, you know, Mike Young's different. Um, he's always wanted to be at Virginia Tech. Uh, he can sit down at a hokey club meeting and have a regular conversation with your average Joe Virginia Tech fan that Buzz Williams couldn't do. Or maybe Buzz Williams could have done, he just didn't want to. And I think the hiring of Ace Custis was all about connecting with the fan base. Sure. I think it's important to him. Yeah. So uh, now th this is all fun and exciting because Tech's want to know. Yeah. Uh, there will be difficult times ahead, you know, things that you don't see coming. Uh, I think I think winning this game was very important to the psyche of the players. If they'd sure. lost this one, then played a bunch of cupcakes at home, then gotten destroyed out in Maui, Yeah. you know, um, you start to wonder. This shows them they can win. Yeah, and I, I do think it's important for confidence. And Brad Brownell and Mike Young both said the same thing. They said, I don't really like opening with an ACC opponent, um, but we understand why we have to do it. It's one of those things where Brownell still feels that way. Mike Young, he probably still feels that way, but he's really happy. If you do win that game, I mean, that's a really good start yeah. to your season. If you win all right, 20 conference games, now Virginia Tech is 1-0, and and they've only got nine road games left, and they've got ten home games. It's not going to matter this year. But in a year where you're going to the NCAA tournament or maybe you're a bubble team, that matters. Yeah. Get that get that road win out of the way, and the numbers stack up in your favor after that to a certain extent. It's a very valid point. And now Tech has four games in a row against uh, – Four bye games, we'll put it that way, B-U-Y. Yep. Four low major opponents. Coppin State on Friday is the right, next is one. A, home is the next one. Uh, coached by a former – Maryland player Juan Dixon. Yeah, how about yeah, that? How about that? Is Maryland Eastern Shore in there anywhere? No, I don't think so, but I, I don't remember. Actually, I believe uh, Tech Tech does play him this year. Do they play yeah. him? There's uh, going to be the likes of, of VMI and Gardner Webb in there. Well, and, well basically, uh, my basic point is they got a chance to be five and zero going to Maryland. Right, right. Um, now that being said, with a young team like this, there's no guarantee. I mean, a Buzz Williams team that went to the NIT lost to Alabama State to start a season. Right. I mean, you see young teams that, that are picked near the bottom of their conference every year lose to low major teams that they have no business doing. Tech will probably do that at some point probably. this year. Yeah. 
There you go. Well, listen, great conversation about Hokies hoops this morning and 67-60 winners over Clemson on Tuesday evening on the road. We still have a lot to get through on the Tech Sideline podcast. We're going to be discussing, of course, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons and the Hokies meeting up on Saturday in Lane Stadium. And we'll be talking a lot about the man who's on our screen right now, Bud Foster, as the Hokies honor the legendary defensive coordinator against Wake Forest. We step aside for a timeout. We'll be right back with Hokies Football Talk. This is the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Your official law firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Hokies. Welcome back aboard the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. So glad that everybody could join us today. We're recording on Wednesday morning, November the 6th. We just broke down Virginia Tech basketball's win over Clemson, open up their season, and now we dive right back in to Hokies football talk. Big game this weekend against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. We got our normal crew as always, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing. We've got Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, and I'm Evan Hughes on the podcast set. Guys, let's uh, shift over to football, where this is a game we talked a little bit about on Monday's podcast, kind of recapping Notre Dame. Uh, this is not your traditional Wake Forest Demon Deacon team coming uh, into Blacksburg. Uh, th- this is a team that actually, when we started uh, the podcast back up in August, there were some beat writers in North Carolina that thought Wake Forest had a chance to be undefeated coming into Blacksburg. They're 7-1. and one. They're in the top 20 of the initial college football playoff rankings. and Number 18, um, I believe. Or number 18, that's yeah. correct. Uh, Chris, I mean, how good is this Wake Forest team? And let me ask you this. I think you said this, but I want to confirm. Is this team better than Notre Dame? Yes. In my opinion, they're better on balance than Notre Dame. Their, their defenses, I think, are ranked about the same. Wake's offense is, is much, much better than Notre Dame's offense. So, you know, Wake's had some good teams in the past, but they never had particularly dynamic teams, and this is a dynamic team. Uh, Newman could be the first Wake Forest quarterback drafted since 1989. It, it, it's possible. He's and he's a, young, right? He's a redshirt junior. Okay. He's so de- he's he developed over time. <laughs> he redshirted and developed over time. He No huge expectations. Did someone so say redshirt, Will? Yep, yep. Wake Forest has well over 60 guys who have an R in front of their classification. And that's not counting the true freshmen who are redshirting this year. There's probably at least 20 of those. <laughs> look, Chris breaking out a little oh, bit of a smile. Look, look at it. There's only four true freshmen and they're too deep. Every single offensive starter has redshirted. Oh, what, what a beautiful program. <laughs> yeah. But that's how you, ha- you have to do it that way at Wake Forest. I mean, you, yeah. you need to keep guys for five years. And start seven redshirt seniors on offense like yeah. they're doing this year. You start seven redshirt seniors on offense, and you give them a dynamic quarterback who's not necessarily a redshirt senior, uh, and a dynamic wide receiver. And and uh, what's his first name? I keep wanting to say Chaz. Ch- it's uh, not, no, Chaz. It's, uh, not Chaz. You've got the roster card no, literally uh, sitting on your. All right, all right. <laughs> Hang on a second. Number. number it's uh, Sage Surratt. Sage, Sage Surratt, number yeah. fourteen. He's a re- he's a redshirt sophomore, and he's a dynamic player. So their two best offensive players are actually underclass- underclassmen, but they're surrounded by a bunch of seniors, and that's why their offense is, you know, averaging thirty eight points and five hundred ten yards per game. I mean, this is a dynamic group. They're very. They do things differently with their like their mesh point in the read option. Uh, they stay in the backfield a lot longer 
They, they read yeah, the quarterback and the longer. running back sit there and hug and kiss yeah. and discuss politics yeah. before they actually decide who gets the ball. Right. It's, it's interesting to watch. And Fuente, who obviously has watched a lot of offensive football through the years, he said he's never seen anything like it. Yeah. And I haven't either that I can remember. Well, you got to hold some blocks for those guys. Yeah, to, you know. yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Tech plays it. And, and the thing about Wake is they, they can run it and they can throw it. You know, Notre Dame can throw it to a certain extent, but they can't run it. Right. And they couldn't, especially couldn't run it against Tech with their starting running back out. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to get your thoughts on uh, on the, the Wake defense before we get back to the offense, because I think the, the, the highlight of this team clearly is the offense, and we'll get to that in a minute. This is a defense that has given up 35 to Utah State. Their one loss, they allowed 62 to Louisville. I mean, it literally looks like a basketball score, 62 to 59. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisville beat Wake Forest. But then at the same time, uh, they held Florida State to 20, NC State yeah, come to on, 10. That's easy. What, what, what do you, is this defense one that you think is a defense that Virginia Tech can still score 30-plus points? Are they more like the team that gave up 62 to Louisville or 10 to North Carolina State? Hmm. Well, North Carolina State. Well, they're bad too. Kind of, kind of fell apart in that yeah. game, and and Florida State was a is is a train wreck. So I don't know. I put a lot of, put a lot of credence into those results. Um, let's see. Looking at their starting defenders, they have just two seniors. Uh, they're not super young, but they're they're younger on defense than they are on on, on offense. Um, you know, I don't. I've only watched one of their games. I sort of had that that back and forth game with Louisville on. And, and I don't – you know, the thing about Louisville is wherever they are as a program, I think they're well coached, particularly offensively. Um, so, there's a lot going on there. Yep. Uh, so, I don't uh, – I, th- I think for, for me, I can't really say anything about the Wake Forest defense in particular. Um, I do think it's important for the Tech offense to, to have success early. You know, a, a team like Wake, Chris, they're number one in the country in plays per game. Is that right? 6.4 plays per game. Yeah. yeah, so they run that offense at a very fast pace. And what you don't want to happen is, uh, you know, one of the things that can happen in, in, in going against an offense that's operating very quickly is if you stop them a couple of times, they're off the field quickly and then they never get any rhythm. Mm-hmm. Your fear is that they do get a rhythm. And your defense starts to just kind of, I don't know what I would do, call glaze glaze over to some extent. We just had a play, line up, boom, Wake Forest picks up 18, line up, boom, Wake Forest picks up six. They pick, you don't want it to snowball. So they, it's important for the Virginia Tech offense to get the ball, get some first downs, hold on to it. I'm not saying bleed the clock, let the play clock run down to one second or anything like that, but you know, you, you, I don't think you can go and start the game by two or three, three and outs. That's a really bad recipe. You got to match them at least early on to give Tech's defense a chance to get used to what they're looking at. It always takes two or three series. Now, the, the flip side of that is as a defense, you can get into a rhythm too. You know, if the plays are coming boom, boom, boom like that, you can get into a rhythm just like the opposing offense can get into a rhythm. So it's just, it's just important that Tech's offense get off to a decent start. I'm not saying – three straight 10-play drives where they score touchdowns. Just don't go three and out a lot early. Uh, so let's keep this going. So we just talked about the Wake defense. Let's talk about the Tech offense, and then, then we'll get back to Wake Force offense because there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, I want us to talk about the running game first, Chris. Uh, mm. I, I don't know if the status of Kashawn King is known for this week. Fuente said he should play, but Fuente also said, man, I'm over for 2 and predicting things like this this year. So yeah, we'll I think he thought Hazleton was going to come back earlier than he did. And, and Hooker. Was play last yeah. week, so so. How, how important is the running game, especially? And, and, again, I know it's a little bit different. When, when Quincy's in, 
It's running the important. football is is with him is so much right. more important than with Hooker. But if Hooker's playing, which I think That's, we expect, it's, 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 how vital is the running game going to uh, be? It's 100% vital. We have not seen what Hendon Hooker can do throwing the football when Virginia Tech's running game has been shut down, have we? No. Like, I, I don't know how comfortable if I, I am with him throwing 35 or 40 passes a game because the, the running game is averaging 2.5 yards. Because real carry. quick, the two games that Hooker has gone start to finish, McLeese has gone over the century mark, Miami and Rhode really? Island. Really? Wow. He went, went over against Cor- Miami. That might have been – I'm sorry. I don't think he, he went That over. was a stretch of two of three. I apologize. He, uh, but, but yes, been, McLeese was effective against Carolina, and Hooker was effective running the football. Man. The running game was fairly effective against Miami collectively. Um, so that certainly helped loosen things up on the back end, I think. So, yeah, I mean, Tech's going to need to run the football. And Wake's at, uh, allowing 180 rushing yards per game against Power 5 competition. Now, here's the thing about Wake. I, I'm – I think they're really good. I think they should have beaten Louisville. I mean, they ran 103 plays in that game, and Louisville ran fewer than 70. Yeah. It was just wow. there, were, there were two long kickoff, two or three long kickoff returns, one or two for touchdowns. Uh, I think they forced two interceptions, which is rare for Wake to turn the football over. They're plus seven in turnover margin this year. That was a game that Wake Forest should have won. Now, they were also close to losing to Florida State, Utah State, and things like that. And I think you generally are who your record says you are. And at the same time, some of those offensive numbers are skewed by the number of plays that they do run. You know, they, I think they average 5.55 yards per play, which ranks 50th in the country. You know, so a, a upper middle of the pack, you would say. Solid, but not spectacular when they're like 10th or 20th in the other offensive rankings. It, it's the, the yeah. number of plays they run that brings that up. They actually allow more yards per play than they gain. Interesting. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so – this is a game uh, they they can snowball on you like like if if you lose your composure and like if they're running so many plays you lose your composure and that they can blow you out but at the same time if you get some early stops and force them into third and eights get them off the field where they're not running 90 plays in a game hold them to 70 or 75 plays or something like that you're going to win the game most likely unless you just have a terrible offensive performance but 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 you're not having a terrible offensive performance if you, if you hold them to seventy or seventy five plays because that means that means you're, doing you're picking your up first downs yeah. right so th- this is this is a game where I think at the end of the game people are going to look at Tech's defensive stats if Tech loses they're going to be like oh Tech gave up four hundred fifty or five hundred yards that's a bad defensive performance well they gave up four hundred forty or fifty yards to Notre Dame but Notre Dame averaged less than five yards a play which yeah. would rank like. 90 or 100th in the country. Yeah. It's just that Notre Dame ran 90-some plays to Tech's 63 or thereabouts. And that's, that's what you want to avoid. If that same disparity is there against Wake Forest, Tech will get absolutely blown out of the stadium on Saturday. They have to pick up first downs. So player to watch is Armani Chapman will be starting yeah. in place of Waller, right? Mm-hmm. And that's – that's uh, <laughs> Jermaine Waller picked a bad game. I was about to, to say, is yeah. this the oh, one yeah, game you yeah. circled – if it's going to happen, oh my goodness, get, don't want get it to suspended be. for Georgia Tech. Get suspended for Pitt. Teams that can't throw the football don't yeah. get suspended for this so one. So oh. Sage Surratt, I was going through the NCAA stats, the individual stats yesterday, and I looked up I, I receptions per game, receiving touchdowns, yards per reception, and receiving yards per game. Basically, every major stat that the NCAA keeps, Sage Surratt is in the top ten of all of them, top five or six of some of them. And I didn't spend a lot of time checking out their other receivers, but they show up there too. So uh, if you look at their running backs, it's, it's interesting. Both their, 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 lead, their two, two best rushers 
both have 383 yards on the season. Uh, Walker, number 25, uh, Kenneth Walker, mm-hmm. has uh, 54 rushes for 383 yards. That's 7.1 per carry. And Cade Carney has 99 rushes for 383 yards. That's 3.9 per carry. Um, Carney's my boy, man. Watch him. He's a guy I would take. Uh, he, Sam he Rogers. Is, he is. Uh, he's and and the thing about Sam was Sam was old school, mid nineties tech football player. So is Cade Carney. He's a uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's he's listed at five eleven two fifteen, which surprises me because when I watched the game of theirs earlier this year, he looked like a six one two forty kind of guy. So keep your eyes out for him. Well, cool. Uh, well, you bring up Sam Rogers playing Madden the other day. Sam Rogers, there he is, a free agent on Madden. Signed him to my team. Uh, he is on Madden, just to let everybody know. <laughs> Madden funny. 20, he's Pop there. Pass. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to sign Gerard Evans, too? Is I, you know, there's actually a play. On there? I, I don't know. You know what? I'll report back on Monday what, what current tech players are on Madden 20. I just traded for Wide Teller. Needed some help on the offensive line. <laughs> yeah, but, let's, uh, let's, let's go over their ratings and, and, and all of them. Yeah. That's your job. Podcast for another time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Listen, let's let's focus a little bit more on this Wake Forest uh, offense. I do want to kind of key in on, uh, just to let everyone know, Sage Surratt, his numbers this year and what he's been able to put up. This is a dynamic receiver for Wake Forest. Uh, he's, uh, he's what, 948 yards. He Six, averages... 60, 62 receptions, 948 yards. He averages 15.3 yards per catch is his average, nine touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think about tech receivers this year, is it fair to say that the best challenge that tech corners have had at receivers is Isaiah Coulter of Rhode Island? Yes, those Rhode Island receivers were very good. Surratt's taller than the Rhode Island receivers, though. Uh, those guys were, as Brandon Pattis put it, those guys were technicians. They didn't necessarily hit you with explosive athletic talent. They were just really good natural receivers. Surratt's listed at 6'3", 215. This guy. Surratt's so what kind of challenges are, is he going to present for uh, the corners? A big one. A big one. The biggest one they faced all year, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think he's a really good player. Um, he's one of those guys that the regular recruiting services weren't particularly high on. But like ESPN Scouting Service, which I always use, they ranked him the number 13 player in the state of North Carolina and said, this guy's pretty dynamic. Um, he, he just needs to, you know, he's raw. Um, and, yeah, he's showing it. He, he's a very dynamic player. I, I will say that I think Armani Chapman, his first play against Notre Dame, they immediately lined up their tall, tallest receiver on the boundary and went right after him, Claypool, 6'6", 229 pounds. And he was up to the task. Claypool's that big. Huh? Oh, I mean, monster. I know he's big. Well, they just run five tight ends on the field. Some of them line up as actual tight ends, and some I, of them line I, up I as I said receivers. on Monday, I kept getting Cole Komet, their tight end, confused with Claypool because they're 83 and 84, and in my mind, they were the same guy. Yeah, they're, 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 those outside receivers are monsters. So the good thing is Tech is facing two big outside receivers this week, and they faced a whole bunch of big ones last week too. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm, I'm glad they played Notre Dame before Wake Forest from that standpoint. I think Chapman's a good player. Um, now, he has his moments. He didn't look good at the end, the, the one drive against Miami. He should have got flagged for a pass interference against Notre Dame in the end zone. But on the whole, he's done a good job. He's way better than Caleb Farley was last year at the same stage, right? Think about that. I mean, yeah. Ka- right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, so I'm, I'm, actually, I'm fine with playing him, but you, you still have to remember that the guy's he, he, a redshirt freshman. I mean, he is Tech's third best corner, but I mean, a young football team just got even younger. You replace a sophomore with a freshman, is what is what Virginia Tech's doing. Um, I'd rather have Waller in there, but I do think 
Chapman's physically capable of doing the job. He's just such an inexperienced guy right now. But again, like I said, we're going to be looking. A lot of people are going to be looking at Texas defensive stats at the end of the game. I'm going to be looking at their offensive stats, right. third down conversions. Um, how many third and longs were they in, as opposed to how many third and shorts? That's going to be the key to this game. Is if Virginia Tech's offense can sustain some drives and keep Wake off the field. Fuente said on, I guess, on Tech Talk Live on Monday night, it's like, gosh, you know, the ideal opening to this game is like, is we receive. He said they might think about receiving if they win the toss this this week to yeah. to make sure that they that's one fewer possession the defense has without. Jermaine Waller, which is smart thinking. That, that's high IQ yeah. football coaching, honestly. Um, he said the ideal opening of the game would be like a 12-play, 80-yard drive that took up half the first quarter. And he's absolutely right. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But, yes, that would be the ideal. Last question before we get predictions. I want to spend some time on the man on the screen, Bud Foster, here. Uh, Jamie Newman, the quarterback, thrown for over 2,000 yards already, 20 touchdowns, completion of percentage at 67.2%. A rank where he is as tough as quarterbacks Tech has faced this year. Oh, he's the best quarterback Tech has faced or will face wow. this year. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not real impressed with Ian Book. Uh, uh, Book's a, Book's a good player. He's just not as dynamic, and they run a different offense. So you'll take. He didn't have as good much receiving talent or running back talent around him this year. So he, Newman he, over he hit Dax Hollyfield in the numbers though. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> so Newman over Howell. Newman over uh, Book and Newman over Bryce Perkins. Oh yeah. Saying. Okay. Pro- Bryce Perkins is. I don't want. I don't want to say this, but I don't because it comes across like I'm a biased Tech fan. But I don't. I think Perkins is a good, tough player. Like he's a really tough player, obviously to still be standing with the, what that offensive line puts him through. But he's got 12 touchdowns and eight interceptions. He's right. he's got he's one of the bottom third in PFF rating of ACC quarterbacks. Um, I just remember that wide open receiver last year that he just. Yeah, that was a big play. That was play. an awful That's throw. I mean, All right. Yeah, the guy dropped it. But, yeah, I don't think he's that great. I think he's good but not great. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's Newman by far. So, there you go. We'll definitely be talking about uh, Bryce Perkins and those Cavaliers just, uh, a couple a couple mm. weeks down the road. You'll have um, more time. Yeah. All right, so, guys, uh, Wake Forest is, is the uh, – actually, no, let's get your predictions real quick. Let's do that before we dive into Bud Foster. What do you guys think? Give me a – as we always do, give me a player for Tech that you think could stand out and give me a score, please. I – neglected to do my score prediction in the preview that i wrote yesterday which is yet to be posted. interesting because i edited it and, and didn't when, notice so what i what i do is i edit the part of the preview up to where chris makes his prediction then i go over and write my prediction so i didn't even know he had made a prediction yet yeah so the thing is i think i think tech is going to beat georgia tech and Pitt and do so that would give them seven wins at least seven or eight wins depending on the outcome of this weekend's game and I, I've struggled to see Virginia Tech being an eight and three team going into the U to the UVA game they seem more like a seven and four product at that stage to me but at the same time I do kind of think they're going to win this weekend really yeah because uh, I don't yeah I, I don't know I don't know why I think it's I think a lot of stuff in the ACC this year is just like a you're sp- Roll the it's, dice. it's your turn to lose, right? Right. <laughs> and honestly, does anybody see Wake as an eight and one team rolling into Clemson? It just doesn't make I, a lot of sense. Hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it's third straight 50-50 game, basically, in my opinion. So you going Tech or going Wake Forest? I'll go Wake. Really close. <laughs> I don't know, man. Let me. All right, let me. All right. <laughs> I mean, let me ask you this. Get that wheel. Well, right the here. winner. <laughs> 
<laughs> Will the winner have to score more than 35 points, more or less? What do you think? Well, I'll put if, it if they do, it probably doesn't bode well for Tech. Um, I, so I, I think it'll be in the 30s. Now, if, it, if it's kept in the 20s, I think Tech will win it. Okay. Um, yeah, or low 30s. How, well, many, how many teams have kept Wake Forest in the, in the 20s this year? Actually, uh, Florida State held them at 22. That was with a backup quarterback. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, so but, Evan, but with Evan, an experienced backup quarterback. Yeah, so, yeah, Evan, Evan's looking it up. You, you got it there? I'm sorry. Uh, actually, I think recently a couple teams have. I was just looking. Um, huh. How about while well, I'm looking at what do you what do you think? Well, over so, under? I, I, I kind of feel about this one like I felt about the Notre Dame game last weekend. I, I think Tech will lose a close one. Uh, that said, that's the last time I'm picking the Hokies to lose this year. I'm going with W's all the way through. Um, the Five and three or bust is that what in, in the ACC Coastal and, and and but that that's just kind of the way I feel about it and and I don't I don't remember what my thinking was before the season started I think I was thinking this was going to be a win I remember looking at the schedule and thinking losses at Miami loss at Notre Dame drop something somewhere else but not to Wake oh by the way a comment about this game if Tech loses to Wake Forest they will have lost to Duke and Wake Forest and Lane Stadium in the same season and could still. Win the coastal. Win the coastal. Yes, there would be a path to an ACC title, also, as you brought up uh, earlier, by losing to Wake and then Wake beats Clemson. Wake wins the Atlantic and then Virginia Tech wins out and wins the coastal. They meet again in the ACC. I, I'm just, I'm just going to say, if, if you want to see Wake in the ACC title game and you want Tech <laughs> to get an ACC title game, Wake basically has to win this weekend. But obviously, you don't. You know, it's a Double-edged sword, but yes, that, that is that, the path. That's a smiley face you could put on the loss, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, uh, I, but I, I think you know, I don't, I don't know. I'll, before we post our preview, I'll put some numbers on it. But I just think, I think this is going to be a, a a loss by the Hokies within ten points. I, I'd also like to point out that at the beginning of the season, when everyone talked about what a horrible home schedule this was, well, this horrible home schedule has given us one of the greatest games in Lane Stadium history against North Carolina. Now it's giving us number eighteen the number 18 team in the country. And I get that people don't get excited because of their name, but this is the best team yeah. on tech schedule, home or away. This is a really good team. Are they the second best team in the entire ACC? Yes. Oh, yeah, I don't think there's well, any there you question. Go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are. They absolutely – yeah, they're the only, well, there's so, only two teams in so, the so top 25. So you could talk about it being a bad home schedule, but what you're really saying is the ACC is a bad conference if Wake Forest is the second best team. You could have any schedule. Florida State's way worse. Yeah, I mean, people might get excited – but, I mean, Tech would stomp what? Uh, it's Florida State. Florida State. Yeah, uh, yeah so this is going to be a good game. And so that, that segues into something I was thinking about uh, earlier in the podcast while we were talking. You know, Tech sold out the North Carolina game. Wouldn't surprise me to see them sell this one out. Uh, yeah. Although um, I think fans are more engaged with the thought of beating North Carolina than they are beating a ranked 7-1. and one They are, Forest. but I, th- I, get, I think the fans are happy right now. Um, satisfied. I, satisfied. I'm not so happy, but what? Obviously, they were not after the Duke game. Who was? I, I was. I call that staring into the abyss. Yeah. You know, what, what's that literary quote? Something about you know, take note that when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares into you. <laughs> Any anytime Tech puts up a f- performance like they put up against Duke, that's kind of how I feel. So, but since then. Tech's played some pretty good football. Yeah. And I, well, they played inspired football. They played that, hard. That's that's the thing, and I think. I think most people, I mean, yes, at some point you want to see wins, but you want to see progress, and we've seen progress. Yeah. yeah. Last thing I'll say, so Wake has been held in the 20s. They beat North Carolina 24-18. Mm-hmm. They beat Boston College on the road 27-24. Yeah. 
They beat Florida State 22-20. Right. And UNC can't play defense, and they held Wake to 24. So, all right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we, we do want to spend some time on uh, on the man who's on our screen today, Bud Foster, who's going to uh, be honored before the game. It was, uh, of course, before the season, he announced he was going to retire after the season. It was announced that this Wake Forest game was going to be a tribute day uh, to Bud Foster and everything that he has meant to uh, Virginia Tech. I know both of you guys wanted to just take some time to, re- to reflect on him. It's not over yet. Still uh, plenty of ways to go. Um but maybe uh, throw in one, one game that just really stands out to you. And for those listening on Facebook, we'll get to your questions here. Maybe drop a uh, favorite Bud Foster moment or game where he just out-coached everyone else. The sad thing is that the two games that stand out to me are losses. Thanks, yeah. offense. Right? Boston College 2007. Uh, right? It's not, not, not that one because that, okay. that was a pouring rain, to be fair, to Matt Ryan. I'm thinking about the Sugar Bowl against Auburn. When he held three first-round picks on offense to about 250 yards and 16 points. Yeah, I'm also thinking about a game that nobody remembers: 2012 at Clemson, high-powered Clemson offense. Tech held him to about 270 yards, Dom- completely dominant defensive performance, and lost like 38 to 10 because the offense kept turning the ball over on their own 20-yard line. Or along the dead vein, how about the 2013 Alabama game in Atlanta? Oh, Alabama, how Alabama? Like 210 oh, yards of offense? 206. Virginia Tech actually outgained Alabama 212 to 206 in that game. Was Al- final? Completely dominant. 35 to 10? Yeah. I remember because I picked the exact, the exact score. score. Yep. Yeah. And, but <laughs> it, it didn't unfold the way I thought it would. Alabama. Those were the great jerseys. So, we, God, how oh do we talk about gosh. Bud Foster? And, uh, and, and no, I don't. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I actually got in trouble for uh, revealing those jerseys. Yeah, leaked uh, somebody leaked yeah. the all gray uniforms, and so I put them out there, and and, and then then they wore the maroon. They pants. Wore, wore the maroon pants instead to make me look wrong, but they kept the <laughs> kept the, the jerseys that I posted. Uh, yeah, dang, that was an ugly uniform. Oh, oh my gosh, and they they looked like droopy. Uh, uh, they had a picture of James Gale wearing the all grays, and they didn't even fit. They looked like he was wearing his loose pajamas or something. That yeah. was bad. Yeah. Um, let, let me, we, let just, me, we just talked about three losses. Yeah, so, how about this? Let me phrase it this way. What what impact has Bud Foster made, not just on Tech football, but Virginia Tech, lunch pail defense, mm-hmm. college football? What has he meant? Yeah, it's a brand. And and to create your own brand, you know, whether you have help or not, it's that's pretty impressive. You know, you've got to have the idea first, but then the idea's got to work. And the lunch pail defense idea doesn't work if Tech is 50th in the country in total defense every year throughout the last two decades, right? So yeah. you've got to come up with the idea, and then you've got to back it up. You've got to execute it. And that brand will, is going to live on at Virginia Tech. Um, no question. I mean, there, there's, there's, you're going to see still see lunch pail trailers, lunch pail bars out in the tailgating lot and yeah, things like if, that, man. If you want to – if you want to – start a fist fight between tech fans ask them who's more integral to the success to the success of tech football in the 90s and 2000s was it frank beamer or bud foster because there's a contingent of tech fans out there that think and and actually in many organizations it's not necessarily the guy that's running the organization it's the people he's got working for him and and bud is is I hope he gets elected to College Football Hall of Fame. Me too. Because I think he deserves it. Yeah, I think yeah. he's uh, there should be a spot in there for assistant coach, particularly coordinators, because 
you know, you could make the strong argument that he's the best defensive coordinator in the history of college football. I think you can make that argument. Certainly over time. Over time, the longevity of it. You know, Mickey Andrews was elite, but Mickey Andrews dropped off. Bud hasn't dropped off. His talent dropped off last year. I don't feel like Bud's any worse a coach. Yeah, I don't, Mickey Andrews was a bad coach by the end of his career. I don't think Mickey's talent dropped off. He, he just, he his just ability, had antiquated yeah. tactics, basically. Let me, let me ask, ask you guys this, too. You know, Looking at his career and him being here through the the transition of, of Coach Beamer to Coach Fuente and, and, and being here through that as well, I mean, just yeah. it, it just – kind of shows the the person that he is too and uh just his love and dedication to virginia tech could have easily walked away and nobody would have blamed him and it wouldn't have had anything to do with fuente it would have been you know i've had the same boss for almost 30 years 30 years basically uh if i'm gonna have a new boss whether i like it or not now i'm gonna go somewhere else where i can where they'll double my salary and i'll have a new boss for more money he he could have just he could have just said I'm available and somebody from the SEC or the Big Ten sure. would have hired well, him. They've thrown two million bucks two million bucks a year. Right, yeah, you know, and he Bert. didn't do that and he could have done that. Yeah. Um. So you talk about I mean this guy is the definition of loyalty in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I had the good fortune of uh, let's see this was probably late two thousands, early twenty tens. Uh, so Bud's got his Lunch Pail Defense Foundation where he uh, raises money and then uh, gives uh, college scholarships to uh, local kids. And he's been doing that for years. Uh, Bud, Bud kind of, and this is my outside looking in, this is not what people have said to me. Bud, I think at some point in the 2000s, made an effort to uh, get his image and the things he was doing in line for getting a head coaching job. That never occurred. But one of the things he started doing was he started the Lunch Pail Defense Foundation and and started uh, raising money and handing out scholarships. And he used to do an event in the old, uh, it was the Marriott, for those of you who went to Tech in the 80s, maybe even the 70s. I don't. I think it was a Holiday Inn after that, right across from where the uh, um, the big Tech... Uh, on-campus hotel. Yeah, the on-campus, right across the inn. the inn, thank you. The inn, right across the street from where the inn at Virginia Tech is now. And I don't even remember how this happened because Virginia Tech, what the, the thing I'm about to talk about, we didn't have media access back then. So, uh, and, and I, I think Bud and I sort of knew each other somehow. We'd met before. But in the late 2000s, uh, the LPD was doing a thing where after the spring game every year, they had former Tech players come in, four to six guys. And they would have an event where these guys would um, – go to the uh, Marriott slash Holiday Inn. They would uh, um, they just talk about football in front of a crowd. So Bud would sell tickets to it. I think it was 100 bucks a pop or something like that. But he needed somebody to, to emcee the event. And his people reached out to me and asked me to emcee it. And I did it. I did it for at least two years, maybe three. And for me, it was a blast because I'd never been around the players. And, and some of the memories I have of that are the first year we did it, we did it uh, outdoors in like a courtyard there at the hotel, and the players were late. Uh, there were about six of them, but they, they were a good 15 minutes late. And when they walked in, it, it, was, it was Mike Emo, Tyrod Taylor, um, Macho Harris was there, uh, D'Angelo Hall came in. And, and the fifth or sixth guy in the group came in at the back, big old, and I tell this story all the time, big old defensive end. I'm like, man, who's the defensive end? 
And 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 I, I should have known the list of players. Isaiah Wilkins. I was just like, yeah. Huh? <laughs> I was just like, I, I didn't know that. Who is that? I didn't know that guy was coming. And, and I, I asked the uh, organizer, this, so who's the guy in the back? He said, well, that's Cam Chancellor. And that's that was my first impression of Cam Chancellor. And personal was, holy cow, that guy's huge. And I remember some things from uh, some questions I asked him. Uh, and uh, I asked him, who's the best college player you ever played against? And uh, I remember um, – uh, one of the, it was Chancellor. Chancellor answered this. He said it was, uh, I think Chris Johnson played for East He's Carolina. Yeah. Running back, played for the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, and he said when he was a freshman, Chris Johnson ran him over at the goal line. And uh, Mike Emo talked about playing against Mario Williams of uh, NC State. State. Yeah. And he, Emo set himself up. You know, e- Emo was not of large stature. And he said, man, so I had blitz protection on a play, and, and, and I'm, uh, I go out there and I set up, and here comes Mario Williams, and I go to cut him at the knees, and he jumps right over me. So, you know, somebody, probably Cornell Brown, I think, was sitting there and Cornell said, well, that ain't hard, Mike. You know? <laughs> and But the other thing that's really memorable was uh, D'Angelo Hall talking about when Mike Vick got uh, drafted by the um, – or came to play for the Falcons. D'Angelo was playing for the Falcons at the time. Uh, no, it was no, 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 other way around, other yeah. way around. Mike was with the Falcons and D'Angelo got drafted. And he said his first day at practice, Vic was just slinging the ball all over the place, and they were just completing pass after pass on D'Angelo in practice. And D'Angelo said, uh, he said, I went home and I laid in bed at night. I looked at the ceiling, and I'm like, I'm not sure I can do this. And this is not a guy who lacked for confidence. My jaw hit the floor to hear D'Angelo Hall say in public, I'm not sure I could do this, you know. And then uh, the last year Bud asked me to do this, we were indoors, and uh, um I probably got a little out of hand. <laughs> um, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, but I do remember one uh, one sequence where I, I, I had a uh, – Twitter was fairly new at the time. So I had a uh, thing where I did uh, who tweeted it. And I would read a tweet to the crowd that was done by one of the six guys up there. You know, Great and, segment. And, and they had to guess who it was, you know. And uh, one of them was Cam Chancellor was afraid to go to the dentist. You know, that's one I remember. And uh, – <laughs> Uh, and I said one of them was a, was a guy standing by uh, a man standing by a new car that his son had bought for him. Who did that? And it was David Wilson. He had bought his uh, um, dad a new car. But uh, the reason I say I probably got a little out of hand was during the event, David Wilson tweeted out, it's like, who's this Mr. Hokey interview and asking all these crazy questions, you know, and. <laughs> And that was the last year I was asked to MC the event for Bud Foster. <laughs> I never got any negative feedback. Maybe they just switched gears or something like that. But uh, but that was a lot of fun, and that that I got to know Bud that way. And and so that's everybody has their different memories. That's some of my memories of Bud Foster and being around Bud. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's gonna be really cool. And you know, one thing that's really I think kind of neat and again speaks to Bud as the person is that this whole year. It just doesn't almost feel like at times that he actually is retiring. He has not made it about himself at all, and the focus have been on the players. That's the way he wants it to be. I mean, he was very clear, and when he when he announced, he's like, this is about the players, and there will be a time to talk about it at the end of the year. But uh, I think it just speaks volumes about him. So I'm sure we have a lot of uh, comments right now. I know we're going a little bit over on time, but it's been a busy day from uh, yeah. Fens basketball to Wake Forest. As Chris said, the best home game of the year coming up this weekend. Oh, uh, that way. Before we do that, let me let me do a little sponsor plug. Malcolm, do you have the uh, second camera going where you can show the uh, show the uh, Terror Gnome and the and the helmet next to him? All right. So that uh, that little lunch pail mini helmet. Uh, 
Campus Emporium, longtime sponsor of TechSideline.com, is selling uh, Bud Foster commemorative items. That's one of them. The uh, the mini helmet there is uh, thirty nine ninety nine. If if you're just listening on the podcast, it's a black helmet with win W I N uh, painted on each side, team on the front, oh, great and then uh, LPD on the back. Now, I think most tech fans know this. What does win stand for? W I N. What's important now? What's important now? Um, but Campus Emporium is selling those for 40 bucks a pop, and they've got some Bud Foster T-shirts, commemorative T-shirts that they're also selling for short sleeve for $19.99 and long sleeve for $24.99. If you go to Tech Sideline, and, and uh, it's easy to find the, uh, the Campus Emporium featured item, on, particularly when you're looking on desktop. It's over in the borders. So uh, awesome. sponsor plug, neat stuff. Um, yeah. And... Uh, I guess that'll be a permanent fixture of the podcast set now. There we go. Next to Terra Gnome and his the lunch ter- pail. Terra and his little lunch pail, right. And the lunch pail is the same color as the helmet. That kind of works right. out well. So. Yeah, it works well. All right, Malcolm. Well, we, we, I'm, I'm sure, we, again, a lot to get through, whether it's basketball questions, football, about foster memories. What do we got? All right. I want to start personally. I remember the last time you wore the opposing team's colors. It did not go well. Oh, man. Oh, is anybody ragging on me for wearing Wake Forest colors? A few people. Yeah, we, we forgot to get to that. This is actually a Radford High School shirt that I'm wearing. Uh, uh, that is right. He did wear Duke colors oh. <laughs> that week. Then my, acc- my accidental Duke shirt. I thought about this when I put this on this morning. I was like, dude, you're wearing Wake Forest colors. But it's a Radford High School shirt. My daughter is running in the regional uh, cross-country meet awesome. today. Uh, she's a senior. They won a state championship when she was a freshman and don't want to jinx them. Let's just say they've got a really good shot at winning one this year uh-huh. as well. So this is a Radford What's her name? shirt. Annalise. Good luck to Annalise today. That's awesse. Yeah. And, and Annalise has said she wants to go to Tech. She has put in her application. Uh, most Radford kids do get accepted by Tech. Um, so uh, <laughs> she'll probably be a freshman there next year. There you go. Ooh. All right, Malcolm. Trying to figure out my notepad. All dead right, dead Michael, air, dead air, man. No dead air. Michael Fullen asks, does Wake, well, I guess we already answered that, but does Wake really scare you in a home game environment versus a road game? Uh, it's no difference to me. No different, yeah. Um, tech these days, are as good, they're as good on the road as they are at home. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's not like, I mean, if Tech played at Wake Forest, the stadium would be half filled with Tech fans. And again, the and the weird thing is, Tech tends to play better on the road. A lot of times they do. Yeah, you know, no and it's a pattern that. this year too. Yeah. All right, Eric Fisher. Uh, any comments on the Willie Taggart firing and the whole FSU situation? They better get this Ooh. right, or if somebody put it on the board. They're going to become Tennessee. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, their school president is retiring at the end of the year, which basically makes their athletic director an interim guy. And he's not doesn't have an athletics background anyway. He was like in school administration, I think, is what someone mm. told me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wouldn't want to walk into that job as a head coach. I mean, you didn't even give the last guy two years. I mean, you're inheriting a dumpster fire. You don't know who your boss is going to be in six months, and the fan base only gave you two years. Who in the world is going to agree to that job? I I, don't, I think it's a not a good job right it's like now, a james johnson opinion. taking over for seth greenberg situation yeah it's just i don't think it's, it's except it's seth a was a pretty good coach <laughs> right yeah um but but jj never should have taken that I, job. I, well if it was basketball you know it's only 13 scholarship players you can tear the roster down on a matter of one off season and you can't do that when you got 85 scholarship football players uh, i mean there's a rotten culture at florida state herb street went on one of his 
So you, 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 go to my, you go to my personal Twitter feed, Will Stewart TSL, and I quote tweeted, Herbie started doing these, 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 these videos where, you know, he, in this particular, he did the one about tech where he's like, so bad, so bad. Yeah. Well, in this one, he's holding a red Solo cup, you know, shout out to Toby <laughs> Keith. And they're sitting around talking, and he goes off on, on uh, Florida State for about a minute. He's, yeah, he's like, you know, you see them, see their team gain 15 yards, then Florida State guy will make a tackle, and he'll, and he'll get up, and then he'll start talking trash. And he's like, dude, they, you just gave up 15 yards. You just gave yards. up a first Shut down, up. you know. Yeah, uh, all they want to do is fight. They don't want to play all, football. They, they, they said yeah, they yeah. need to go back and watch the Bobby Bowden days. Right, right. State. So, Well, just the, like Miami needs to go back and watch the guys they, from the 80s. Right. So they have a culture problem at Florida State. And when you're dealing with 85 scholarship players, you can't rip that roster up Ooh. in one year. You've got to do it over a number of years. So whether or not Willie Taggart is a good coach – when he rebuilt programs in the past, they started winning in like his third year. Yeah. Think right? about if you're a junior on uh, that team. So I don't team. think it's necessarily fair to him what they did because I don't think anybody could have turned their program around in two years. I think their culture that Jimbo, who is massively overpaid in my opinion, <laughs> uh, I think the culture that he let get created there is bad. Oof. And they're going to have to bring in somebody – and give them four or five years before they even talk about whether the guy's on the hot seat, in my opinion. Well, what made him snap was they got stomped by Miami, yeah. by, a, by a not good Miami Mediocre football Miami team. Mediocre Miami team. Yeah. So they're going to miss two bowls in a row, most likely. And if they get this higher wrong, they're in the next Tennessee. Mm. Is what Think about this like. real quick. If you're a With junior less on, money. If you're a junior on the team right now, you had Coach Fisher your freshman year, okay? then an interim coach the final game of the year, then the bowl game, then you had – Coach Taggart, your sophomore year, he's fired midway through your junior year. year. You've got an interim coach through your junior year, and then you've got another coach your senior year. Mm. People are like, get ready to mind the transfer portal for Florida State players. Or can we pick off off any Florida State recruits? I kind of hope not, to be honest with you. Not, did, did, not, you, did you see where that former five-star defensive tackle from Alabama wound up going? Colorado. Colorado. Right. Hmm. Because nobody – Well, because there's an Alabama wants, connection. Their, their new head coach is a former Alabama assistant. Okay. That's true. But right. uh, there's also the fact that who, who wants to take a player who quit after two weeks? Mm. Good point. Great question. Uh, do, do you got, make sure got us fired up. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, regarding the best bud moments, Tom Lester brought up uh, – Burnop interviewing Bud after Frank's last bowl game. Yeah? I have a vague recollection of that being a really good interview, yeah. Did he go into any more detail about it? Uh, that's about it. It he was a pretty emotional last, interview. The last hurrah yeah. for the Beamer era. Yeah. Yeah, you, get, you got to love Buddy. Where's his, where's his emotions on his sleeve? Uh, I'll, I'll add on that real quick. I, a great moment, I think, about just like away from games and X's and O's was um, – uh, when uh, well, uh, Bud of course hugging Fuente at the end of the UNC game last year when they toppled each other. But then there's a uh, with the the UVA moment, him and Shane Beam. And, and Coach Beam yeah. all hugging each well, other. Well, UVA. a bowl game in yep. Beamers last year. Yep, at, in Charlotte. Right, okay. So that was a really yeah, kind of cool. powerful moment. So great point there. Hmm. All right, Ronnie Adams, uh, did your outlook for B-ball change any after last night? No, Not because really. I think Clemson's. Bad, and I thought Clemson was bad coming into. I thought Clemson was picked 11th in the ACC, exactly, which yeah. in my opinion is too high. I, I don't think they're a good team at all. They just they lost so much. So I honestly, I most most people didn't think this. Most people thought Clemson was a heavy favorite. I actually kind of thought the game was a crapshoot. So I, I, it doesn't really change my outlook, other than the fact that I think Landers Nolly. I already thought he was going to be good. Now I think he can be really good. 
Yeah, cool. yeah, and I agree with that. I, it's it's nice. It's a win I didn't expect. Virginia Tech once under James Johnson was one and zero in the ACC when they played a December ACC game, and then yeah. they went two and fourteen or two and however many games or however many there were in the ACC then. All right, another question from Eric Fisher. Uh, if the team keeps playing with the same focus and intensity they had at Notre Dame for the rest of the season, how many wins do we pick up? Three. Yeah, that would Three agree. and one the rest of the way. Yeah. Well, I think that's certainly doable. Yeah, I, I said it earlier. I never would have said this after the Duke game, but having seen an, another month's worth of, of evidence. And, of course, you know some of it's going to come down to injuries, if, if, if anything. Like watching Deshaun Crawford play against Notre Dame, he's not healthy, and that's a shame. Yeah, because um, he was such a good player when he was healthy. But uh, uh, yeah, I see. I see three and one. Yeah, I mean, I I think Tech will beat Georgia Tech and Pitt. You know, Georgia Tech I think got their one win out of their system against Miami. Yeah. Uh, Pitt's just so bad offensively. But they always they always you know Pat Narduzzi so is going to bring his yeah, A game. I, I know. Tech. Oh, I mean, I know that, but okay. I, I just, yeah. but they're incompetent offensively. <laughs> Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I hope you're right. Um, yeah, like they're like Virginia, Miami. Uh, they're just bad. Yeah. They're they're like Notre Dame with less talent, right? Much less talent. So, mm. I, I I think uh, so. I think I see Tech winning those two games, and I think the other two are pretty much toss ups at this point. Mm. Fair enough. How about the OSU upset for Bud moments? That was one heck of a that game. That was plan. masterful. Yeah. So that's that's a Ohio State 2014. I remember. So just like after that 2013 Alabama game, Alabama fans were freaking out about their offensive line. I went to that game up in in Columbus in 2014, and and Ohio State fans were convinced that their offensive line was garbage after that night. And, and they won the national championship. They went undefeated after that. So that team had Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, and they, well, yeah, and they had seven carries that night. Because yeah. we completely fooled their quarterback in the read option game. It was a bear defense. Showed them so many fronts that we had never shown on film. Deion Clark's finest moment. Yeah, right? yeah, and and yeah. Well, I won't go there. As a player, yeah. as a player. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it was such a brilliant game plan. And you know, Ohio State went on to win the national title, and you know they didn't just beat teams; they they hammered teams the yeah. rest of that year, man. They took it Alabama on the semifinals oh, yeah. that year. They, they crushed them, yeah. So, yeah, great Good stuff. Great point. All right, I'm running out of time, but last question I'll ask is from John Houchins. Houchins, right. will Taj Gary see the field again this year? I don't anticipate it. Um, I think if he was going to, he would have done it in one of the last two games. Yeah, I mean, they're playing Dalton Keene yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of Tyler. They've, they've gone that route. Now, could it be different with Hendon Hooker, a quarterback, maybe? Uh, because obviously I don't think we'll necessarily see Dalton Keene in the personal protector escort role for him like we've seen him for Quincy Patterson. But, yeah, I don't think so. Um, I, I will say if he does play, I'm, I'm sure they're still planning on not playing him in any more than three more games. Right. Uh, so they would preserve his red shirt at this point. Yeah, he, he's not likely to play particularly if Kishon King is, is back. Yeah. All right. Great, great stuff on uh, Facebook. Sorry it took a little bit longer to get to you guys. Um, this might be the longest podcast we've ever done, but I think very <laughs> a lot to get to today, and I think rightfully so. Wow, so yeah. um, uh, Quickly, as we always do, Chris. For those people that want more great techsideline.com com, uh, content, what's coming up the rest of the week? A Brandon Patterson review of the Notre Dame game, the Notre Dame game, uh, excuse me, the Wake, uh, Forest, Wake preview. Forest preview, and inside the numbers article, a Friday Q&A, we'll have recruiting articles, 
The usual awesome stuff. The usual, the usual awesome stuff. stuff. I would like to work in a basketball column somewhere, but I there's no way. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I mean, no, it's no, hard no to time. let that game go without saying anything from a column standpoint. So, so I, what I'm hoping is that somebody asked me a really good question in Friday Q&A, and I can, I can there answer you go. it. And, and there you I'll go. be sure to do that if nobody does. Which, that. Of course, there, yeah. uh, Will, if people want to get more great content from Tech Sideline on social media, what accounts can they follow? Uh, Twitter, we are at Tech Sideline. Uh, we're not active on Instagram right now. We're, we're tech sideline over there too, but, uh, we probably need to hire somebody to, to run that for us. And, uh, on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash tech sideline. And on YouTube as well. Yes. Like Man, and subscribe. All, we are all over the place. Yes. <laughs> we, which, which is, see, I'm, I'm getting to where I'm going to stop calling this tech sideline.com and just start calling this tech sideline. There you go. Cause it's not just about the website. Great way to close the podcast there. Great show as always to everybody. I want to appreciate everybody who was watching or listening. Thanks to everybody for the comments. And uh, we'll be back Monday morning. We'll be able to talk about uh, the Wake Forest game, uh, the Bud Foster ceremonies before the game. And then. Uh, By the way, get there about half an hour early, we are told. I think that's part of the information they're releasing. Okay. Game starts at 3.30. So if you want to see everything, be in your seat at 3, I guess. Okay. There you go. And uh, we'll uh, maybe be able to talk about another uh, Tech basketball win. They play Coppin State on Friday. So, uh, yeah. I suspect we'll be able to talk about another Tech basketball Okay, win. cool. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. For our terrific producer behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart, on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart. I'm Evan Hughes saying so long. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm, and we'll talk to you on Monday morning.